read the text. Ephesians 3, starting in verse 1. You're going to read 13 verses. Page 815, if you're using one of our Bibles. It says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has been now revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. This is the word of God from Ephesians chapter 3. In a lot of ways, the first part of this text is a recap of what we talked about last week. And if you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. Because what Paul does here, the, Paul, the, the writer of this letter, is he is speaking um, into some of the tensions that the first century Christians were experiencing in their culture. And one of the greatest tensions that they were living in was this divide that existed between the Jews and the Gentiles, between those who who had the religious heritage and those who didn't, those who who had a relationship with God and who knew the scriptures and who had friendship with God and those who didn't. And what Paul does, verses preceding this, is he says that, that in Jesus, that because of Jesus, both Jew and Gentile have access to God. That both Jew and Gentile, because of Jesus, have peace with God, have salvation with God, are, are seated in the heavenly realms, have better things coming for them when Christ returns. And this is brought about because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this is the gospel that Paul is clearly communicating up to this point. That there in Jesus is no divide between Jew and Gentile. That because of Jesus, all are given grace, all are freely saved because of him. And I want to spend some time looking at verse 6 for a minute, but I want to spend the majority of our time in verses 7 through 12, kind of uh, looking at some new territory, things that Paul didn't talk about last week. And so uh, here's verse 6. I'm going to read it again and talk about it for a minute. It says, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Here's how I want to unpack this. You know, um, Courtney's my wife. And uh, when Courtney and I became family, like as soon as we were united, God did something. And it was so much more than us just signing some um, legal documents. It was so much more than just her getting a new last name. No, God unified us and God blessed us. And God connected our hearts and our lives until the day that we would die. That from that moment forward, May 10th, 2008, don't ever forget that day. There would be no Courtney without Brandon. There would be no Brandon without Courtney. 
that we were connected. We were inseparable. The scriptures say that, that what God has joined together, let no person separate. And we know from Jesus, if you read through the New Testament, that marriage is temporary. That Jesus says this in heaven, that we will be like the angels, neither marrying or being given in marriage. You're like, why in the world are you talking about marriage this morning? That's, we didn't read that at all. Like that word did not come up anywhere in our text. Like, where are you coming from? This guy is cuckoo. I think it's important to this conversation. Here's why. Marriage has always been a place. It has always been a picture that God wanted to give us to help us understand who we are as Christians. When Courtney and I became one, everything I had, which wasn't much, became hers and vice versa. I have an older sister. I have a younger brother. When we got married, she has three younger sisters. I instantly got three younger sisters, sisters that I always wanted. She instantly got a younger brother and my younger brother. I immediately had access to her mom and her dad. Nothing was off the table. I could come to them for advice. I could come to them when my heart was hurting, when I needed something. And it wasn't just me stepping into all that she had. She stepped into all that I had. This is even before we were engaged. My grandfather, one of my just favorite people that ever lived this earth, and he just loved Courtney to death. And I remember it was Christmas. Um, we were, you remember this before we were engaged? And um, Courtney opens her gift for my grandfather first. And she gets this outrageous amount of money for my grandfather. <laughs> and I see the check that he gives her. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, she has it, like, this is not a done deal. She can still break my heart. Like, why are you, why are you giving her this much money? And he just looked at me. He's like, she's family. And I, so I saw how much she got, and I'm like, man, if she got that much, I can't wait to see how much I'm getting. And I open my, and I get the exact same thing, and I'm like, what is up with this? And he's like, that's part of being family. When we got married, she stepped into all the family drama. And I stepped into all her family drama. And I start here because we have to understand that at the moment we are united with Christ, when we believe deep in our hearts that he died, that he rose again, these things that we're singing of this morning, when we give our lives to Christ in baptism and obedience and friendship, we are one with him. Look at me, listen to that. The moment we step into life with Christ through belief, through friendship, we are one with him. And we are one with each other. Scriptures say that we are heirs together. He says together three times in that one verse. We are heirs together. We are our members together. We are shares together. And all that is given to us because of Christ. He earned them. He made them possible. By our union with him, everything that was Christ becomes ours. Verses 7 through 9. Paul says, I became a servant of this gospel, this good news, by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. That although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. When the gospel begins to take root in our hearts, 
we become servants of God. We become servants of the good news of the gospel. Here's what I mean. The, the gospel, two parts. The first part is this. When, when you receive the gospel, when it really just comes into your heart and in your mind, when it comes all the way into your life, you are given eyes to see who you really were. And that's tragic. Because there's not a person in this room that when you really see who you were, celebrates and rejoices. Part of the gospel is he helps us see clearly the things that we've done. But the other part of the gospel is this, is that you begin to see clearly how God responded to you and to me in the midst of that. As I was reading this text this week, the, this line just kept hitting me. Paul says this. He says, this grace, this grace, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ, to make plain to everyone. He says, this grace was given to me to, to preach the boundless riches of Christ. And I just started asking, I go, man, do I view sharing Christ as a gift of God's grace. The reality is so often in my life, it feels more like a grief. Sharing Christ feels like work. It feels like something that Dave or me or somebody else uh, tells us that we ought to do and we're obligated to do. And so often sharing Christ feels more like an obligation. I don't say that proudly. I just want you to see my real heart. I go, but how can Paul say this, this grace? Paul truly understood the God of the heavens, the Lord Jesus Christ, the same God, the same Jesus that he had been an enemy to. And he understood that that God did not condemn him and did not destroy him, but patiently and tenderly drew near to him. That that God revealed to Paul that he was real. And then he forgave him, and he loved him, and he wanted to use him. You see, God did not see in Paul a man that was so bad, that had done so much wrong, that he had no use for. No, God saw a man that who, he saw a man that needed to see, to see clearly who Christ is. Paul couldn't undo all the evil things that he'd done, just like we can't. But Paul turned to God, and he found our Heavenly Father. And the scriptures say our heavenly father is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in love. And he found a God who made a way for him through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, his son, to come to him. I had a conversation with a friend a couple weeks ago. And he's in his 50s. And we were talking about his children. And he began to describe just the heartache of one of his children. Grew up following the Lord, hearing the Lord, loving the Lord, and then just something happened. And he just quit. He quit seeking God. He quit following God. He quit showing up in places of worship and prayer. He just started running as far as he could from God. And I was talking to this friend of mine, and I just looked in his eyes, and I just saw the heart, the, the broken heart of, of he and his wife. Of a father that wanted their son home so badly. 
had done everything that they thought they could do, everything that they could do. They've been over backwards, and they realized that, that he was going to have to make the choice to come home. He was not willing, he was not ready to receive the things that he really needed to heal, to come home. And he looked at me and he said, if he would only come home, his mom and I would help. If he would only come home. Some of you, I think the Father, the God most high, just inviting you to come home. You've been running from God. You've been hardening your heart. Just let him in. Some of my story, you know, I, I became a Christian almost 20 years ago. And the reality is that when I became a Christian, my life wasn't just this like upward walking of, 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 of holiness and righteousness with God. No, the reality is that I, got, I gave my life to Christ and in a lot of ways, my life went downhill for a long season before I really started following. And the older I get, I become more introspective. And I think about the, all the sin in my life, a life that was drenched in sin, the sexual immorality, the lust, the language, the arrogance, the selfishness, the greed, all of the garbage that was in my heart that I could so easily hide from other people. And yet when I realized that God saw all those things that I had done, and I realized his patience, that he had already made a way for me to experience his peace and forgiveness and friendship. Not through me cleaning myself up, not through me doing a bunch of good things and proving my worth, but through the death and resurrection of Christ. It's when I realized that Christ had made a way for me. That he saw the things that I'd done and he didn't withdraw, but he kept drawing near and near so that the moment that I realized what I was doing and who I was running from, because of Jesus, the door could come, would swing right open. I could just come back in the Father's house. I remember having a conversation with a friend a couple years ago, a guy that was a house church leader for us a little while, just a great friend. And I just started to notice that he quit coming. Weeks went by and months went by, year went by, didn't see him. Tried to reach out to him, actually ran into him in a coffee shop one day, and I'm like, hey, man, we've, we've missed you. Like, he just kind of blows Blew me off. Didn't really know what to do. A couple years passed. I get a phone call from him. He says, hey, I'm, I'm in town. I want to get together and just share what's going on in my life. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to meet with you. And he begins to start telling me about the, the few years that I had no idea what was going on in his life. He said, Brandon, honestly, I just started running from God. I just... I got tired of walking with him. I got tired of, of just believing. I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to just to see if there was more out there for me. And so I just quit. I quit pressing into God. I just started doing my own thing. Said I decided to move to a different city. 
but just post it on social media. Hey, I'm moving to this new city. I'm moving to this new state. If anyone knows someone that's looking for a roommate or someone could take me in, I'd love to um, get connected. And he said, the only person that reached out to me was this girl that I went to school with. And he said, the, the thing that, that I remember about her is that I was so unbelievably mean to her. He said, this is the first woman that reaches out to me. And she said, hey, if, if you're looking for a place to stay, I've already talked to my family and you can stay with my family as long as you need to. And we're sitting in Eighth and Roast, and he's telling me this story. And he says, and God was doing something. He begins to tell me about the, the car ride down to where he's going to be living, where his dad drives down with him just to help him unpack. And, and up until this point in his father's life, you know, his, his dad had always been on just this man of God who loved the Lord. And his dad was always asking him, you know, hey, are you a part of a church body? Are you leading? Are you walking with God? He just cared so much about his heart that he was willing to ask the hard questions. And, and for these several years that he had been running from God, his, his dad said nothing. So they're driving in the car and he, and he looks at his dad and with this anger, he says, dad, I've been, I've been running from God for two years. Why have you not said anything? Do you not care? And his dad looked at him and he said, the Holy Spirit told me to leave you alone. That he had you. So we're riding in the car to this new city that I'm moving to and something just was breaking in my heart. He gets settled into the house that he's living in. He comes down to the kitchen one night and the mom that is... Um, that he went to school with, of the girl that's down in the kitchen. And, and they're sitting in the kitchen, and, and she says to him, do you remember two years ago when we were at the cannery and we took communion together? And he's like, yeah, I do remember that. She said, I could tell you were in a rough place then. She said, and for the past two years, every day I've prayed for you. He said, I went and I got in my car. And I drove around this new city, and he said, and God showed me how broken I was without him. And I missed him. And I believed that he was pursuing me. That he loved me. Last week, our staff, we do this a couple times a year where our, our entire staff will get away for a few days, and we will just... We will pray and we will dream and try to listen to God. And Monday through Wednesday, we just had an amazing staff retreat in so many ways. I don't know if you ever had one of those moments before where you're just with people that you, you love and, and you're with God. And it's kind of like this mountain moment where you're like, I don't ever want to come down here. You ever had one of those moments? Maybe it's with your family and vacation. Maybe it's you know, a retreat. Maybe it's, it's something like this where you're just, your heart is locked in with God and with the people around you. And you go, I don't want to leave. And that's what we were experiencing. And about Tuesday, the, the Lord just started to remind me, Brandon, you can't stay in this place. Not yet. There is a world around you that does not know Jesus. There's several ways to start processing that. When we talk about that as a family, man, that there's a world that, that lives outside of these walls, that live beside us, that work with us, that they do not know Christ. And so often we, we, we feel the, the grief side of that. Man, okay, I've got to do something. And 
And often we miss the gray side of it. But we get to do something. Do you remember what it was like before Christ? Landry, do you remember what it was like? To have no peace. <laughs> no real lasting joy to be weighed down by stress. Regret. And to think about what life is like now with Christ. And it doesn't mean that everything is easy and it doesn't mean that you never have problems, but what you have with God, no matter how little, is abundantly more than what the world has without him. Forgiveness, Jason. The Holy Spirit, Nick. And heaven and hope, Kim. And power and strength. And a tower to turn to in times of trouble, Taylor. And it's like Paul, as he's writing this letter to these people that he loves so dearly, it's like he, he didn't allow himself to forget about the kindness of God to him. That sharing Christ with others really was a gift to him. It was a gift that had been given to him that he wanted to pass along to others. I remember on our very first anniversary, one of the things that I knew about Court is that she loved Disney World and I did not share in that same passion. But I really wanted to make her happy. So I saved up this money and on our first anniversary, I surprised her to Disney World and we couldn't afford plane tickets. So we drove to Orlando and she hated that. But I could not wait to give this gift to her. To see her face, to see her reaction, to get to experience it with her. And I'm convinced this week as I was reading through this text that one of the ways that Satan, the enemy of God, I'm convinced that one of the ways he is really working in our hearts and our marriages and our house church, in our house churches is he is deceiving us and he is convincing the church that it is not a gift to share Jesus with others. Paul keeps going in verse 10. He said, his intent was that now through the church, listen to that. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Did you hear that? Through the church. Through us and through you. He reveals himself in all of our forgetfulness, in all of our sin, in all of our laziness and selfishness. He chooses to work through us to reveal his multifaceted wisdom. I was thinking about you this week, and I realized that I just, I like poetry. And I wrote this through Garrett and Kelly and Mark and Corinne, through Hannah Meeks and Zach Brantley, through Grace and through Ben, through Ryan and Paloma, through Lori and Aaron, through Malia and Daniel and his brother Farron, through Andrew Branch and Jordan Minton, Mary Beth and Shay, through Jonathan and Kaylee, through Kate and Dawei through all who are new in Christ 
and those who have walked with him for a long time, he reveals himself through us. That's the end of the rhyme. And you think about this. Through us. Through real people. With real struggles who don't have it figured out. And he chooses us. And when the things that God cares about, and the things that God does, listen to this, when they are being lived out by the church, the beings in the heavenly realms that we can't see, they look at God and they look at us and they see the beauty and the magnificence of God through us. It is absolutely magnificent when I see my kids imitating the good things that Courtney and I do. Friday, I have Finley and Jones, our older two kids, and we're running around town doing errands. And I give them two quarters. We go into the county clerk's office. I know they have a little gumball machine in there. And so, you know, I give them some, um, some quarters to get candy. We get back in the car, and Jones just devours straight up his candy, just puts it all in his mouth and just swallows it. And, and Finley's taking her time with her candy. And Jones starts to fuss. He's like, I don't have any more candy, Daddy. And I'm like, you shouldn't have eaten it all. And then Finley opens her hand and she takes a piece of her candy and gives it to Jones. She said, here, Bubba. And I've seen the kindness in Finley's mom, the sharing in Finley's mom. Or I think about one of the things that I try to do at night is I pray over my children. So I'll lay in bed with Finley and Jones and I'll pray over them the other night. I'm, I get done praying over Jones, my son. And immediately I start to get up and he throws his little arms around my neck. He starts to pray for me. And he says, amen. I really couldn't hear what he was praying, so I'm not sure on his theology. But <laughs> I said, but did you just pray for me? He's like, yeah. When you see your children, when God sees his church, when he sees his sons and his daughters, imitating him. It speaks in the heavenly places. We have no idea what is happening in the heart of God. We have no idea what is happening in the heavenly places when God's heart starts to beat in our chest. Carter and Lindsay adopt a child. When Nana serves the Kurdish women in our city. And Deb's caring for the poor. And Joey and Kelly are walking around their neighborhood trying to meet their neighbors. Amos and Ann showed up at our doorstep when we lost a child. Comfort us. You have no idea what is happening in the heavenly places. When the people of God start doing the things that God does. One of the things that I've been feeling is, man, there's just this joy of being a part of this church family. We were looking around, I was looking around at worship, and man, so, sometimes I'm just so locked in with God. I just tune everything else out. That was not one of these mornings. We were worshiping, and I just kept looking at you. It's like, man, I love being a part of family with Aaron. I love that Caitlin and Jared are here. 
I love being a part of a family with Parker and Sarah. This family is amazing. And I love what, what some of our, our family has been carrying this, this way that, that Chris Ann and Amos and Ann and Garrett and Kelly and, Asby, and Abby and Zach and many of others that I think God has given a big piece of his heart to several in our church that, that he wants us to be more like a family and less like people who just show up on Sundays and then leave. That every Sunday, a group from our family goes and eats lunch at the farmer's market. Tomorrow night, or next Monday, yes, yeah, tomorrow night, it's a game night for anyone who wants to come. We do picnics and we do retreats. And I'm not saying you have to be involved in everything, but I think God is working through several in this church to help us love one another. When the cosmos see the church caring for the things that God cares about, the radiance of God's glorious scene. Let's finish up. Verse 12, 13, it says, In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. And I go, why does he end here? I believe it's because he wants us to understand that because of Jesus, we are fully wed into the family. We have full access to the Father. I started to know that I was a part of Courtney's family when I could just walk into her parents' house and go to the fridge and not have to ask. I knew I was a part of their family when they started calling me B. I knew I was a part of the family when I would call them and they would stop what they were doing to answer or they would call me back as soon as they could. And Paul says what it means to be a part of the family of God, what it means to be united with Christ is that you have freedom and you have confidence. You have freedom to come to God anytime in prayer to bring our real hearts, our real questions, our real feelings. We have confidence. Knowing that we are saved, knowing that we are seated in the heavenly realms, that you are a daughter, you are a son because of Jesus. You can approach him freely with anything that's going on. So here's how I want to end this morning. We're going to stand here in just a minute and Chris is going to get up here and he's going to lead us in just some music for a little while and then he's going to sing and I invite you, if you're not a Christian, I invite you to become one today. To be united with Christ. To step out of the shadows, to step into the hope and the peace and the joy and the life that is found through Jesus Christ. And here in just a minute when we stand, if, if you want to give your life to Christ, if you have questions, there are going to be some men and women at the respond banner in the back, the red banner. We'd love to talk to you. Walk with you, help you however we can. If God is calling you, let nothing come in your way. And if you are a Christian, I want to send us to communion with a question. You can answer this question if, if you're not a Christian. In fact, I invite you to eat the bread and to drink the cup with us, even if you'd like. The table is inclusive. The table invites people to come where they are to Jesus. So every week we eat a piece of bread and we drink a cup of juice to remember that Jesus died for us, that Jesus rose again, that because of him our sins are forgiven and we are given new life. And I invite you as you take communion to do two things. The first is this. I want to invite you just to share with someone that you came with or someone around you. What was God saying to you in Ephesians 3? What was God saying to your heart today? And what will you do about it? 
And the second thing I want to invite you to do is we're going to have an extended time of prayer that Chris is just going to play music for a minute. And I just invite us to, to pray together. To really pray with those around you. To come to the respond banner if you don't have anyone to pray with. But I want to invite you to really share what's going on in your life. Share with God and share with each other. God, I'm sad. God, I'm hurt. God, I'm feeling condemned. God, I'm wanting to live for you. God, I'm unsatisfied. Whatever it is. There's something about us just coming in here and letting people see the real us. Our real questions, our real fears, our real struggles. That connects our hearts. Let's pray. God, thank you for what you've done. And Jesus, thank you for this morning, um, for letting us be your sons and daughters. I pray that you would open our eyes. I give you thanks for all these people. We love you. Um, In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.